When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's good! It's good! It's good! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. We'll take you to the places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, Hakeem drops the ball, turn, picks a flow, and touchdown. Hell is frozen over. Of the 2022 season. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Hello, you Hoodats. Welcome into another edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm here along with Jeff Nowak, and it is brought to you by Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. Jeff, how you hanging this week five? I know it's been brutal, the three-game losing skid. I'm back on New Orleans time, uh, getting reacclimated to from London life, and it's been a little weird. You know, the sleep schedule a little messed up but for the most part it has not been an issue i'm just hoping that means some kind of back to winning and positive news for this team coming up later in the show we're gonna have bob condota seahawks reporter for the seattle times it's gonna break down a lot of what we're gonna see with this seahawks matchup in week five stick around for that later in the show but first i don't know about you but i'm getting really tired of talking about a bad football team and i don't care what you tell me a one in three football team is a bad football team you can have all the talent in the world. If you're losing football games, you're a bad football team. And that's what the Saints have been through four games. But one thing that really stood out to me this week is just kind of like, I think this fans are kind of at a breaking point. Because in no world should Latavius Murray, a guy who literally nobody wanted until three weeks ago. I mean, and that's not me saying that. That's the NFL saying that because he was sitting on his couch until three weeks ago. He runs for 57 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries. Suddenly, to Saints fans, He is the mecca of all things running back. And the Broncos come in and sign him. And it is this huge, huge thing. Like, man, the Saints are getting bullied again. They're making mistakes. They're doing all this stuff wrong. And, like, I get it. But, first of all, cool your jets, right? This is Latavius Murray. This is not, like, the second coming of Jerome Bettis, right? This is a guy who you know what to expect out of, and he played well. But... First off, Mark Ingram had the exact same game in week two. The only difference is he fumbled the ball. Blah, blah. <laughs> right. right. Like he, he averaged six yards a carry in week two. 
So like that was the thing. Like, and we're gonna get into this and why that the outrage over the Saints not offering him a contract is not only overblown, it's inaccurate. But you know, what was your reaction when you saw that he was signed off the practice squad? At first, I was definitely confused because he was brought up to the active roster, and I had just assumed that he was still there. And, and you know, it was interesting finding out the whole, you know, the rules and of everything with the NFL and the practice squad and the poaching, the poaching rule. And, you know, finding out, too, then the Saints tried to keep him, but, you know, he opted for Denver where there was more of an opportunity because, at best, he's going to be behind a healthy Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, whereas the situation in Denver is different where he's basically their number two guy. Yeah, so we we talked to Mike Michael Parenton, the Saints director of pro personnel, on WWL this week, and he he laid it. He went into a lot of it. So there are a few details to keep in mind. We'll kind of go through the practice squad here. So since COVID, there have been a lot of rule changes as it pertains to the practice squad. You know what you can do with practice squad players. You know whether you can protect them from being signed by other teams, that sort of thing. So this season, you can have 16 players on your practice squad, right? In the last two seasons, you have had quote-unquote, standard elevations and COVID elevations. COVID elevations were unlimited, and you could bring a player up if you had a COVID absence. You could bring a player up as many times as you wanted. You could have him on the roster six, seven, eight times as long as there was a COVID substitution you were making. That's not the case anymore. Now you can bring two players up per week, and you can bring them up as many as three times throughout the season before you have to sign them to the active roster, right? We've seen it happen with Christian Ringo. We saw it happen with J.P. Holtz this week. And we also saw it happen with Atavius Murray. So that was how he was on the roster. So the idea there is you can get guys from the practice squad onto the active roster and have game action without having to do what you would have in the past, which was you would have had to waive someone on your active roster. Then you would have had to sign the player from the practice squad to the 53. And then in order to get them back to the practice squad, you would have to cut them and yeah. subject them to waivers, which would mean anyone could come in and claim them. And then they would go back to the practice squad, right? And so like, that's a very you know drawn out process for what is essentially like, yeah, we want to get a look at a guy, right? right. You want to get 10 to 15 snaps, whatever. And uh, so this is, this is what Mike had to say on WWL this week. So, you know, Latavius was, was an interesting guy for us because we obviously had a great experience with him. We love the person. Uh, we love the body type. <clears throat> you know, 32 years old, guys like that, they do find themselves come the beginning of the season still on the street because it's a little bit of unfamiliar territory where everybody's always trying to find younger, more developmental players that they could maybe buy low and end up hitting on. Uh, and some of these veteran players aren't necessarily open to the veteran practice squad spot right at the beginning of the year because they hope that maybe there's an injury at the position and they just get signed out right to the active roster. And then also the other wrinkle to the situation is that if someone signs a player off of your practice squad, they have to commit three weeks to keeping that player on their roster. Um, and so veteran players feel as though they don't want to, they don't want to be locked into a team because no one wants to commit to them for three weeks. So some guys will be like, ah, I'd rather stay on the street. That way they can just sign me as needed, as opposed to worrying about keeping me for three weeks. All that being said, Latavius was a great addition. We called him up and, you know, when we needed him, he had a great game for us. He was definitely a difference in that game. And uh, we would have loved to have kept him. But I, I think in, in the player's mind that there was a greater opportunity to contribute in a more significant role with those guys having a major injury at their running back position. 
and it was nothing about you know anything from the opportunity here versus there. It is just, you know, it's a greater opportunity to be more involved quicker for Latavius and, and I'm happy for him. He, de- he deserved it. The other thing Mike said that I think is a very good quote, if nothing else, is we're not keeping any hostages here, right? Like this guy wanted to <laughs> yeah. leave. So one thing that's changed this season is in the last two seasons, you were able to protect a guy. You were able to, I think it was four players last year that you could, every week you could say, okay, this is a protected player. So teams couldn't come in and claim them off your practice squad. That actually went away. So it's something that was changed this year. So you can't protect players. But what Mike said, when is interesting, the Saints never used that function when it was available. If a team comes in and tries to sign someone off the Saints practice squad, you know, in a majority of cases, as as Mike kind of laid it out, they're going to say, well, we'll give you a spot on our 53. And then it's up to the player to make that decision. And in this case, DA decided to go to Denver. There's a few reasons why I think that was the case, right? The first is pretty obvious. Javante Williams went down with an injury. So that backfield is effectively Melvin Gordon and a bunch of backups, right? So if you're looking at a situation where you can make an impact, right? He could be the lead running back by the end of the season if if he plays well. That was never going to happen in New Orleans. It was not an option. And also, at best, he's competing with Mark Ingram for the RB2 reps. And while everyone has told me they're ready to to kick Mark Ingram to the curb for some reason because it's, you know, it's the flavor of the week is Latavius Murray. You know, in order to keep him around, you would have probably had to commit like saying, no, you are the RB2 regardless of what happens the rest of the way. Right. Right. You are you, like, we will give you that job and we will say, okay, Mark, try to make a tackle on special teams because <laughs> that's what you need out of the RB3. And so even if you said, hey, we're going to give you the first shot at this, if you went out there and laid a dud, you're, you're going to tell me that you're in a situation where you're not going to say, well, let's see what Mark has, right? So like, even if they did offer him that RB2 spot, it was going to be with the restrictions of like, yeah, if you play bad, you're going to lose that job. <laughs> but whereas in Denver, I think he was gonna, he's going to have some time to work into that role and he has some cushion. So it just makes sense. I think what really ticked off the fans too is the fact that Latavius is just a different style of runner, obviously a different body type. And he kind of, not kind of, he did. He powered his way into the end zone, getting that touchdown. And it was really a let off of steam from even fans, that relief of, you know, of scoring a touchdown and the manner in which he did it. You could just tell he was, you know, trying his darndest. And that really, I think, made folks wonder why he hadn't been on this roster kind of thing all along when he was available. But I, I, I mean, you got Alvin Kamara at least coming back this week. You know, he's RB1 no matter what. And I can't see Latavius being able to supplant uh, Mark Ingram, uh, especially with what he all does on the offense and on special teams. That's the scenario you found yourself in, right? Like, at best, you're you're giving him an opportunity to compete with Mark Ingram. And you expect and Alvin Dwayne, Kamara we've back. We've seen Dwayne Washington running well. Yeah, right. So, like, yeah, it's a crowded backfield, and I don't blame him for a second for going out to Denver. The other thing to keep in mind, and this is a very important factor when you're signing someone off another team's practice squad, is you are required to keep them on your roster for three weeks. That is a rule. Right. So when you're Latavius Murray and you are deciding between two deals, the Saints don't have to. That's not a rule the Saints have to follow. You don't have to keep a guy on your roster for three weeks if you sign them off your own practice squad. So by accepting the Broncos offer, that means that he is guaranteed three weeks. If you signed with the Saints, 
he's not even guaranteed one. Like that deal is not guaranteed. They could obviously make him verbal guarantees and he could take them for their word. And I don't think the Saints are going to lie to him. But the fact is he has a guaranteed three-week contract with the Broncos and the Saints were not locked into that same deal, right? So I think that's, that's, a, that's a part of the equation. The other thing that I think is important here is like the whole point of, of these practice squad elevations is so guys can get action, right? So Latavius ending up on the Broncos isn't a sign of like something being broken with the Saints and how they're operating. It's the system working. It's it's the the system that was in place to work working. And he's not the only player that's got called up and looked good. He's just the only player that got called up and fits a team that is desperate for a running back right now. But, you know, and we I just flashed this clip up of one of his runs. One thing that never gets talked about when running backs have a good game is, you know, the blocking is a factor too, hmm. right? One of the guys who got called up and I asked Pete about this today and we, and uh, Michael Parenton talked about it here is uh, JP Holt. This is a guy who was very close to breaking onto the 53 men roster in, in training camp. I believe, I think he was going up against Adam Prentice for that either fullback or H role. You could have, you can get it done with either player. And I thought he looked excellent in his limited action in week four, right? He got called for a hold, which I would argue was a was a ticky tack holding call. But and this play right here, tell me that this is a this is Latavius Murray being an excellent running back, picking up five six yards here. And you can see that's that's holds coming across. I mean, do you need is is being able to run through this hole a sign that you are that you are like in peak NFL form, or is that just a twelve foot gap that you just have to get to? Yeah, I right? could have picked up a few there for sure. Right, like exactly. Like if it it doesn't matter if it was Mark Ingram, if it was Alvin Kamara. No, the vision to get to it is is good, you know. But I that's the design of the play, and so I give JP Holtz a lot more credit for this play than I give Latavius Murray. He's just going where the hole is, right? So like that's a factor here. A lot of these runs aren't just existing because Latavius Murray is on the field. One the Vikings were not expecting Latavius Murray to be on the field. So they weren't game planning for a, for a bruising running back. And two, you know, this is a good offensive line play. The tight ends blocked well. And so you picked up six, seven, eight yards. It's, it's not a situation where you're desperate for Latavius Murray. You were desperate for a run game that works. And I think that you have a lot more positives here than just Latavius Murray running well. And so that's what you want to build off. But the, the reaction to Latavius getting signed off the practice squad is way more about the rest of the stuff that's going on with this team than like Latavius being some sort of savior of this season, right? That's not what this is, in my opinion. Yeah, and what's funny is we kind of joked about this earlier when we were in the Saints locker room about the fact that Murray's not going to be active for Thursday night football. Obviously, just getting back from London, uh, still not really acclimated to the Denver playbook. But they did elevate someone we're familiar with from their practice squad, which is Divina Zigbo. So the Saints could technically turn right around and poach him if they and bring him back to New Orleans. Yeah, that, no, we're recording before Thursday Night Football. This this right. won't post until afterwards, so we won't know. But yeah, if he goes out there and rushes for 100 yards and then the Saints come in and sign him off the practice squad, that would be pretty funny. The other thing that's funny is, and we talked about this, Eric Wilson, the, the one no one's talking about, Eric Wilson, Another former Viking got got signed by the Packers off the Saints practice squad. And not only does he have to go play for the Packers, he has to go back to London because they're in London this week. 
and he didn't even stay in London. He came back to New Orleans and then had to go back out to London. That flight is brutal. Obviously, he's on a much more comfortable plane than I was, but and had more has more leg room, probably a nice little cubicle that's got a bed in it. But still, that that's a hell of a flight and brutal. Right. You want to talk about jet lag? Oh. Try doing that trip twice oh. in two weeks. <laughs> that sounds miserable. So let's get into some more news and notes before we close out this segment. One of the things, you know, it looks like we're going to get another Andy Dalton week. Jameis hasn't been on the practice field Wednesday or Thursday. You know, we got the injury report. You also haven't seen Alvin Calvin Throckmorton, but Andrews Pete is back out there. Great you haven't dude. seen Peyton Turner with a chest injury, and PJ Williams is dealing with a quad injury. But the two big names are obviously Mike Thomas with a toe issue. Jameis Winston with the back and ankle issue. It's hard to believe after missing last week, right? Whenever you miss a game and then you miss the first two days of practice, I have a really hard time seeing you getting on the field. Like if you played last week and then you got out there on Friday, I could see it because, you know, it's just you needed a couple extra days. In this case, you had a week and a half. (laughs) So if you're not out there, it's because you can't get out there. And so, yeah, I would be stunned. If either of those players gets out there, I would be stunned if they're not just ruled out. Yeah. And what gives with Taysom? He's working back with the quarterback group, but he's still not in a red jersey. So that's pretty interesting. I want to know if his role will still be your QB2, or is he going to be more of your Swiss Army knife that you're depending on? Because this team needs all the weapons it can right now. I mean, we've we've talked about this a bit. I think that part of Taysom throwing passes in practice is A, you need people to throw practice reps, right? right? You have Andy Dalton and Jake Luton out there. Jake Luton is on the 53. So, you know, he's sticking around. He's going to be your backup. I don't know. It'll be interesting to find out if we ever have to find out. The hierarchy, if right. Andy Dalton does go down, is it Taysom Hill or is it Jake Luton that goes in? I, I would guess I Taysom Hill. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but either way, I still think like at a certain point, even if Taysom isn't, the backup quarterback, you will have to have him throw a pass. Eventually, right? right? The the way you're operating, you're basically just setting up a big play at some point in the season. I don't know when it is, but it's, it's essentially the same as having Alvin Kamara throw a pass. Like you do it when they are literally just not expecting it. And once they start covering you as a running back in the backfield completely, you know, with no one over the top, that's when you lob it downfield for a big gain. And I think you're just waiting for that big moment. You don't want to do it on first and 10 when you're up by 15, right? You don't want to do it on third and goal when you're down by 40. Right. But like you want it to be, when it it happens, you want it to matter. And so I think that's what you're doing. And you need to practice throwing the football. You can't just say, oh, Taysom, you're a tight end all the time. And then now throw a pass. Like you need to practice. Well, that's another thing I know you're, I'm sure you see it on social as well. The fans are getting aggravated with the fact that anytime Taysom lines up at quarterback, it's like, if we know he's running the football, the defense has to know the same thing. We When are we going to see Taysom drop back and throw at least a pass this year? Well, I mean, what I say to that is I don't really care whether they know because it still works. Right. QB power is still working. But, I mean, you, you know that – you know what's coming. And I guess I, I hear you. You want it to be – a sneaky play that you need to unleash when uh, they're least expecting it, maybe in a close a tie game or, you know, only up by a score or two, a uh, score or down by a score. But I mean, man, oh man, I, 
I thought it, we at least see Taysom throw one pass so far already this season, but that hasn't been the case. No, I think he's a he's a power running back. Like that's essentially how he's being used. He's not being used as a quarterback. He's being used as a power running back. He's not he's even not running really his own being reads. used as a tight end either. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> he's not a tight end. There is there is nothing tight end about his role. He is a running right. quarterback. Uh, you know, he is a change up quarterback uh, in this system. And you know, maybe that changes once you kind of get back to your normal system. But you know, at this point, he is a he is a quarterback who runs the ball, and I'm okay with that. Like. I think that is the right way to use him. I don't want to see him out there throwing passes. You know, you, you want to keep the option open and you want you want to make them have to respect it at least a little bit. And I think people still are, teams still are to an extent. But I mean, the whole point of QB power action is we have an extra blocker on the field and we're going to put a hat on a hat and you are not going to be able to stop it. And that's what happened on first and goal against the Vikings in a moment that actually gave the Saints the lead. That was a big point in that game. The defense couldn't hold up on the next drive, and they allowed the Vikings to go straight downfield and score a touchdown, aided by some penalties, to be fair. But, like, that's first and goal. You can say all day you want, oh, the Vikings know exactly what the Saints are going to do. Yeah, cool. Stop it. Right. They didn't. That was the easiest touchdown. You know how hard it is to score in the red zone, right? The Vikings kicked five field goals in that game. Three of them came inside the red zone. The Saints are like third in the NFL at holding teams to field goals or, or less in the red zone. Like being able to score an elite rate in the red zone is huge when you're playing close games like the Saints are, right? So like, I don't care whether they know it's coming because they didn't stop it. Being able to score a touchdown on first and goal, one of the most beautiful things in football because I, I hate third and goal. I hate it. I despise it. Like, I would rather you just run it three times, but yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, that that play uh, once you once they get in the red zone, yeah, you know it's coming, but you're right, it's unstoppable. So you you keep feeding it, and but those aren't the situation, the scenarios that I'm imagining. You know, Taysom throwing the football. I just imagine though that you know that little drop over the top is coming coming eventually. Maybe it'll be this this week against Seattle where we see him throw a pass. But I know that it's uh, something that everyone's anxious to finally see happen instead of just him running up the middle or, or off to the side. It'll happen eventually. But again, like I, I still think like if you're on, if you're in short yardage, like that's the, one of the reasons I think overreacting to losing Latavius Murray is kind of short sighted because I think, you know, he scored, he scored a goal line touchdown in that game. I still think anytime you were at first and goal from the, anything inside the three hand it, to Taysom Hill. Well, not, don't hand it to Taysom Hill. Snap it to Taysom Hill three go, times. Right. And if they stop him three times in a row, good for them. Because they didn't even come close to stopping him on that first and goal. The Falcons in week one couldn't stop him from like the 11. Right? No. Like, that's a miserable thing for a defense to have to try to stop. You have an extra blocker out there and you're making it hurt. And I'm okay with it. I like it. I, I get excited every time I see Taysom Hill on the field because like, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see Taysom the quarterback. I want to see Taysom the athlete. And that's what we got. And, and I'm okay with it. Well, just because too, he's that violent, ferocious runner and even more so than Mark Ingram, uh, just a, a very physical guy. And you know, he's not ducking out of bounds ever. He's definitely lowering the head and keep trucking forward. And his numbers, I'd, lo I'd love to see them feed him the ball more as another guy uh, in this offense that I don't think has been utilized just enough 
but I know they've had their issues with, you know, penalties, putting them in awkward situations for drives as well. We're going to get into a lot of that in the next segment. We're going to also dive into, you know, Alvin Kamara's interview, which was great. I love listening to Alvin Kamara talk. He's so good with the media. Um, we're going to get into a lot of that in the next segment. Then we're going to have Bob Condota, Seahawks reporter from the Seattle Times, kind of breaking down what the Saints should be expecting in this Week 5 matchup with the Seahawks. The Geno Smith-led Seahawks, who, are, who have a better record than the Saints, Gino. which, you know, if, you, if I was a betting man, I would not have made that bet, and that's why I'm not a betting man, because I always lose. Anyway, stick around on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts.